This is Clinical Pearls. Eclampsia is a life-threatening pregnancy complication defined as the new onset of seizures during pregnancy with a concomitant diagnosis of preeclampsia. Hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, including preeclampsia eclampsia, are a leading cause of maternal mortality, resulting in 10 to 15% of all direct maternal deaths worldwide. Magnesium sulfate is the drug of choice to treat and prevent eclampsia and has been shown to repeatedly reduce the risk of eclampsia by more than 50% among women who have preeclampsia. 15% of eclamptic cases, however, occur in the absence of hypertension and 20% occur among mildly hypertensive women. Now, of course, clinicians selectively administer magnesium sulfate to women with preeclampsia whom they consider to be at high risk for eclamptic seizure. Severe criteria qualifies for this indication. However, the evidence to guide clinicians as to which patients with preeclampsia are at the greatest risk who don't necessarily have severe criteria is less clear. So in this podcast, we're going to review and summarize a soon-to-be-released systematic review reporting on the signs and symptoms of preeclampsia when they actually led to eclampsia. Are these signs and symptoms actually predictive? You know, we've all asked, headache, visual changes, and right upper quadrant pain? But do they really have predictive value to stratify women as low risk or high risk of seizure? Let's find out now. This soon-to-be-published in-print systematic review will be in obstetrics and gynecology. Eligible studies included prospective and retrospective observational studies as well as any randomized and non-randomized controlled trials. Now, for each individual sign and symptom of preeclampsia reported by a study, the sensitivity specificity, and even the likelihood ratios were calculated. Likelihood ratios were given as both positive likelihood ratios and negative likelihood ratios. Positive likelihood ratios meant that those with certain signs and symptoms actually went on to develop preeclampsia, while negative likelihood ratios were the chance that those without signs or symptoms actually would not get eclamptic seizures. Now, the results were slightly heterogeneous. 11 articles published between 1999 and 2017 met all of the author's study inclusion criteria and were included for quality assessment and eventual data extraction. These studies were largely retrospective with five case control and six cohort studies. There was also significant variability in study settings with nine countries represented across the 11 studies. Three were low income, three were upper middle income, and three were high income areas. Of the 11 studies, only two assessed the signs and symptoms of interest without knowledge of the diagnosis of eclampsia. So this created a potential high risk of bias owing to the knowledge of diagnosis before recording of signs and symptoms. So we have to keep that in mind. 
overall, there was significant potential risk for bias across all domains studied. Now, symptoms that are commonly associated with eclampsia and preeclampsia were those most investigated within the studies. These included the typical ones we're all familiar with, visual disturbances, epigastric pain, and of course, headache. Edema was also looked at as a sign of preeclampsia in some of the studies evaluated. However, none of the pooled estimates for these symptoms was able to conclusively diagnose or rule out eminent eclampsia with moderate specificity and poor sensitivity. So that's a clinical pearl, even though we go nuts asking patients about headaches, visual changes, and right upper quadrant pain. Let's review that statement again. None of the pooled estimates of these symptoms was able to conclusively diagnose or rule out eminent eclampsia in these studies. Let's review the specific symptoms and their results in more detail. Headache actually had the highest sensitivity for subsequent eclampsia, but even then it was still only 56%. It also had among the poorest specificity for subsequent seizure with a result of only about 83%. Additionally, the LR for headache, that's the likelihood ratio, were modest with a positive likelihood ratio of 3.25 and a negative likelihood ratio of 0.54. Even though sensitivity for headache was the best among the different tests, headache still captured only half of the women who went on to develop eclampsia and therefore cannot be used as a rule-out test when deciding on which women are at risk for eclampsia and who should receive magnesium sulfate. Sadly, results were actually similar for both visual disturbances and epigastric pain. Visual disturbances had the highest positive likelihood ratio at 5.81, and although the pool specificity was high at about 94%, its sensitivity was poor at about 35%. Epigastric pain had the lowest sensitivity at 29% and poor likelihood ratios with a positive likelihood ratio for epigastric pain of 3.4 and a negative likelihood ratio of 0.77. Other commonly reported symptoms and signs included nausea and vomiting, proteinuria greater than 1 plus on urine dipstick, and systolic blood pressure in the severe range of 160 over 110 diastolic or both. Now, owing to heterogeneity in design, participants, and the different settings, pooled estimates for these other signs or symptoms were actually not able to be calculated. That has to do with symptoms, but what about individual signs? Well, of those reported, diastolic blood pressure of 110 or more, remember, that's severe criteria, actually performed the best with a positive likelihood ratio of 18. However, as with the majority of individual signs and even symptoms, the negative likelihood ratio was modest, which suggests that this is a poor indicator for ruling out eclampsia in its absence. 
Remember that the 95% confidence intervals for both pooled and individual positive and negative likelihood ratios for all of these signs and symptoms in the systematic review crossed the null value. So this suggests that these are actually of little or no value in identifying women with impending eclampsia. So did you get that? Because that's a big clinical pearl. According to this systematic review, the confidence intervals for commonly used signs or symptoms of impending eclampsia just cross the null value, which means they are actually of little or no value in identifying or stratifying women as high or low risk for subsequent seizure. All right, team, when we come back, let's wrap up this podcast by putting this into clinical perspective. I mean, what are we supposed to do with this information? Well, there's an answer to that next. In January 2019, the ACOG released the Practice Bulletin. In January 2019, ACOG released In January 2019, ACOG released Practice Bulletin 202 on gestational hypertension and preeclampsia. In that bulletin, it is stated that there actually is no consensus regarding the prophylactic use of mag sulfate for the prevention of seizures in women with gestational hypertension or preeclampsia without severe features. Most agree that severe features is going to earn the patient magnesium sulfate. But what are we supposed to do for gestational hypertension or those without severe criteria? Well, two small randomized trials allocated women with preeclampsia without severe features to either placebo or mag sulfate and reported no cases of eclampsia among women allocated to placebo and no significant differences in the proportion of women that progressed to severe preeclampsia. However, according to the College Practice Bulletin, given the small sample size of that study, the results of these studies cannot be used for clinical guidance as to who to give MAG and not when severe criteria isn't present. In the bulletin, the college goes on to state that the rate of seizures in preeclampsia with severe features without the use of MAG is four times higher than in those without severe features at a rate of 4 in 200 compared to 1 in 200. Nonetheless, the college makes it clear that although the benefit-to-risk ratio for routine prophylaxis is less compelling for patients in high-resource settings, it is recommended that mag sulfate be used for the prevention and obviously the treatment of seizures in women with gestational hypertension and preeclampsia with severe features or eclampsia. Why? Because relying on symptoms may not be enough, and this is what's validated in this soon-to-be-released systematic review. Eclampsia is a rare but life-threatening pregnancy complication occurring in women with preeclampsia as well as in normotensive women or those with just gestational hypertension. The retrospective design of the majority of the studies evaluated in this systematic review makes it actually impossible to evaluate symptoms other than those asked or actively reported like headache, right upper quadrant symptoms, or visual changes. But according to this new systematic review, these symptoms moderately increase the risk of eclampsia when present. However, as indicated by the high negative likelihood ratios, the absence of any of these symptoms 
does not reduce the likelihood of eclampsia in a clinically significant manner. Similar results were found for individual symptoms like diastolic blood pressure of 110 or higher, nausea and vomiting with high positive likelihood ratios but corresponding high negative likelihood ratios and similar results for sensitivity and specificity. So symptoms frequently associated with severe preeclampsia were the most common across the studies evaluated, like these visual changes, epigastric pain and headache. However, as a last clinical pearl, none were accurate predictors of eclampsia because they had poor to modest test characteristics. Because these symptoms are not enough to rule out those at risk of eclampsia and aren't that good to actually rule it in either, the best, most conservative option is just to be liberal in the use of magnesium sulfate even for those women who present with gestational hypertension. And remember that up to 20% of cases actually occur in women who are normotensive because they have atypical presentations. So be alert to signs and symptoms, but don't rely on them to rule in or to rule out the possibility of life-threatening eclamptic seizure. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and we see you next time on Clinical Pearls. The reference and the source for this podcast comes from a new, soon-to-be-released systematic review in obstetrics and gynecology. The title is The Predictive Value of the Signs and Symptoms Preceding Eclampsia, with the lead author being Roxanne Hasty. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.